Welcome to another episode of Paulie TV, where I'm your host, Paulie Malinaji. And of course, we've been getting you the guests lately, and today is no different. We're going to get have our, today on the line with me is our former world champion, David Benavidez, undefeated, knockout artist, and he's got a lot to say for the entire super middleweight division. David, what's up, bro? What's up, guys, man? I, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me on the show, man, and thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome, man. It's our pleasure, man. It's our pleasure. We know you got a lot to say. Uh, you're in a stacked division, man, and there's uh, a lot of potential fun fights out there, and your uh, your name's always in the mix for uh, to be involved in in all the fights in, in your uh, division. But let's start with right now, where are you? Where, where, are, you, where are you training right now? You're in camp, obviously. Where, where are you training right now? Yeah, right now I'm in San Diego, California. Um, you know, we're, we're invited out here to stay in, uh, you know, in this beautiful house. Um, you know, make our fight camp here. I don't fight until like mid-April or mid or the, the ending of April. So, you know, I felt like it was a little bit better to start camp a little bit early. You know, this mm -hmm. is going to be a WBC interim fight with David Lemieux. You know, um, then David Lemieux is no, is no pushover. You know, I know he's a hard hitter. He's a, he's a great fighter. He's a former world champion like I am. And this is a fight that, I feel like we're both motivated for because this is uh, the fight that we need to go to that next step. And, you know, I know he's going to be very motivated um, and he's going to be very excited for this fight, just like I am. And, you know, I'm going to give myself the best chance to win. You know, uh, Lemieux has been, has had some really uh, sensational knockouts himself, you know, so he's a, uh, he's the guy who comes to punch. He's the guy who brings it. So I think stylistically, it'll probably make for a fun fight with you and him. Cause we know you like to bang. He likes to bang. And uh, you know, that's what the, that's sort of what the fans uh, are going to want to see. Um, any anything in particular that you're 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 preparing for for him, or just right now is just uh you know get just getting to camp and uh, starting things out. Um, you know, not really, not really anything in particular. I feel like when I when I when I'm in camp, I prepare for this fight and the fights that are gonna come next. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there might be the possibility I could fight Canelo next. So there's a lot of different stuff I want to work on. You know, I want to work on a little bit more movement, sitting down on my punches. Obviously, you know, keep working on my combinations and just getting better as a fighter. Yeah, yeah. You know, over the course of your career, obviously you've had a, a, a tremendous career, 25 and 0, 22 knockouts. So not, not too many guys go the distance with you. Um, what, what would you say has been your toughest fight of your career? Maybe the, the fight where you've learned the most, um, you know, just maybe fights that because of certain fights you've gotten that made you better. I mean, the, the not, I wouldn't say my, they've, they've been my toughest fights, but the, the fights I've been had, you know, the past six fights, they've been, you know, against really good opposition. I feel like maybe if I could say the toughest one would be against Anthony Durrell because he was a veteran. You know, he's a really good fighter. He slick boxed, moved around a lot. A lot of people thought I wasn't going to stop him, and I went in there and stopped him. And, you know, that fight really taught me a lot. But, you know, um, I feel like as I'm getting older, you know, I'm getting stronger. You know, I'm, I'm learning the game more and more. And I'm, I'm getting better at these 12-round fights. You know, my last four fights, I've been landing at a little bit under uh, – 50%, I think it's about 48 or 49%. You know, so that says a lot. You know, as a power puncher, if you land 49% of your shots, that means yeah. that you're doing something right. And not only that, you, you throw a lot of combinations, so it makes it fun. You're you're not uh, nitpicking your shots. You're actually going in there and, and, and putting the shots together and making for uh, some exciting uh, some exciting combination punching that the fans want to see. But, David, I want to go, uh, uh, before we go on to possible other opposition and the, what, what your, your, your career plans you have, tell us about how you got into boxing. You know, how did, how did you get, how did, I remember seeing you and your brother at Wildcard Gym you know, uh, years ago. Uh, but how did you guys, uh, go, how did that all start? How, and everybody always has an interesting boxing story. What's your boxing story? 
So the way I started is just, you know, being um, the younger brother, you know, of, of a boxer already. My brother was the one who started boxing. I think he started at six years old. So, you know, I'd always, you know, peek my head in the gym when they'd be training. And, you know, my dad finally told me, you know, one day come in here, let's, let's start training. So I was about two and a half, maybe almost three. But, you know, it was just a little kid learning how to throw punches and stuff. And I guess from there, it just really stuck. You know, my dad would make me run with my brother, you know, in the, at five in the morning. Then I'd have to train after school. And it just stuck like that, man. And it was honestly, it was it was basically my, my first love. You know, my little passion that I had it. Um, I loved boxing so much that I would watch boxing. I would watch boxing all day. I'd watch Prince Nassim Ahmed, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Costa Sue, mm-hmm. Marco Antonio Barrera, Oscar De La Hoya is one of my favorites. And, you know, I, I was just a fan of boxing, Roy Jones Jr., obviously. And um, I just thought that was, you know, really something I wanted to do with my life. And I didn't really know I was going to be a world champion, but I, I told myself, hey, I'm going to give it my all. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And, you know, to this day, you know, everything's been going pretty good. So I feel like right now the sky's the limit. And it's funny that when um when uh when you guys offered me to, to give me the interview yesterday, I was thinking about I was thinking about oh, Polly and I was like, oh shit, I remember sparring Polly when <laughs> yeah. I was like 13, 14 yeah. years old. You know, it's, yeah. it's just funny, man. I've I've been here for a long time. I've been 25 years old. I've been boxing for like 23 years old or 23, uh 23 or 22 years already, man. So it's been a wild ride, but you know, it's 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 been a you know, one of the you know best moments of my life is boxing. Yeah, man, and, and of course your story's still being written, and uh, you know that's kind of the exciting part about being in a boxing career at, at the stage you're on. You know, you you have the, all these goals and and ideas in your high, in your head, and you're actually going about your career achieving them. You know, and you have you know so many more goals that you you stay hungry, you stay motivated. It's uh, for me, it's you know when I, I remember thinking those things is it's the best time of your life. You know, it's really you, sometimes you forget to appreciate it because you're in the moment. When you look back on these days, I mean, you're gonna really really have a, a lot a lot of nostalgia and and good feelings about them. You know, uh, you mentioned your brother David. Uh, how was how much of an influence was he? Because uh, I remember you know coming up when he was coming up, he was like he was a a big part of the talk. You know, and obviously you were the little brother wasn't a lot of hearing about you and then suddenly you just catapulted and made your name really known what was your brother's influence uh, uh there for you was what was it was it something that that pushed you more because he was your older brother yeah he's always been an influence on me honestly he's been probably my number one influence and that's the person i looked up my whole life looked up to my whole life i always wanted to be like him and you know every time i do something i wouldn't just think about myself i'd think about him oh is he going to be proud of me is my dad going to be proud of me so he really definitely pushed me and motivated me to a different level. And the other thing that motivated me a lot too is once I got to wildcard, I remember my brother and my dad telling everybody, oh, I got a little brother and he's, his name is David Benavides, he's gonna come. And then I showed up, it's, that's the people that I wasn't what people expected, you know, I was a little fat kid. But you don't judge a book like, by its cover, bro. Yeah, and everybody was like, come on, man, get out of here. This kid weighs 260 pounds, he's not going to be nobody. And just hearing that, um, just hearing that alone, that gave me a lot of more motivation to just shut people up. And I remember the first interview I got with Ellie Setback, and, you know, I was looking at the comments and I was getting cooked, man. Everybody was tearing me apart and I was... I was angry, but, you know, at the same time, I was like, they got a point, you know, I'm big, but they know nothing about me. So that kind of pushed me to work even harder. And, um, you know, I, I lost the weight and I remember I was like 200 pounds. I was still 14 years old and I sparred Latif Coyote. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first got a taste of the of real power and, you know, the professional style. And, you know, I, I stood my ground, you know, I was in there. I never, I've never ran from anybody. 
especially at that age. You know, I, I went in there. I was scared as hell. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, Latif was a scary guy at that time, man. <laughs> yeah, he had, yeah, he's like 6'3", scars on his face. You know, he, he was a scary guy. But, you know, the thing about me, I've always had that hunger and I've always had that fight in me. And, I, you know, I stood there. I went toe-to-toe with uh, Latif Coyote. He was, a, he was a former world champion at the time. And, I mean, that's that's really who I found out who I was inside. And I, I sparred him and... That's really got my motivation or my confidence to a different level. And I went to spar uh, Kelly Pavlik. And I mean, I sparred all the one, all the best fighters, a wild card. And then I went to Oxnard. I sparred all the best fighters there. And then I got the chance to go to uh, Big Bear when I was 15 years old. And that's before anybody knew who Golovkin was. You sparred Golovkin ended up working, at 15 yeah, years old. At 15 years old. And I sparred Ooh. him. And we had such a great sparring session that he had me coming back for like five years. And and I feel like, honestly, just being in the ring with Golovkin, just seeing how hard he'd hit, feeling his punching power, seeing his IQ, it just taught me so much. And, you know, I'm very grateful for Golovkin, too, because I feel like he put, he elevated my style to a whole different level. And that, and that's the thing, man. That's the thing people don't really understand. And I felt this uh, when I was coming up, too. When, the, when you're in a gym or you're in an atmosphere that really pushes you and keeps motivating you, you never want to be the best guy in your gym. Uh, at least, I mean, if you want to be the best you can be, obviously. But you always want to be in an atmosphere where it's so competitive. It keeps you ri- rising and reaching and reaching and reaching. And I felt like, you know, that that I feel like that's really important when I watch, uh, get the stories of these background stories of these championship fighters like you. I remember, like my myself in Gleason's gym and later on I ended up coming a wild card as well the atmosphere pushes you every day to be the best you can be because you're not just dealing with heavy sparring and, and top level fighters but you're also subliminally you want to look better than everybody else to it in the gym you know because you know we're all competitors you know so you want to be hitting yeah. the pads better you want to be hitting the bag better you want people to turn their heads and break their necks looking at you and say oh this guy's here so look when I look back on it all those little subtle things contribute to the hunger the desire the passion the enthusiasm to make us all better you know and i feel like when you're telling me the story i get the same uh i get the same energy out of you when you're talking about it yeah and it definitely pushed me to a different level just being in the ring with those guys i felt like if i made one little mistake that i was gonna get caught with a big shot or i could possibly get hurt you know because i was so young and these dudes are men so i had to be 100 percent sharp not just one sparring but every sparring and that's kind of like like I said, that's what that catapulted my 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 level of boxing to a whole different level because I just took that and I started applying it to every sparring session I had with everybody else, and that just that just made me better. It made my boxing IQ way higher. And um, yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. And then just being up there in Big Bear, you know, there's so much great fighters in Big Bear. Like you said, just being in an atmosphere where everybody's a top level fighter. It just makes you want to be a better fighter and go harder every day. Yeah, you you absorb it like a sponge. You know, you, you you're competitive. You're competing with these guys, but you're also absorbing the knowledge and just absorbing and observing the the things that you're seeing and the things that you're dealing with in sparring or even watching them spar themselves. You know, I think it all contributes yeah. to it. But you know what? Like I always tell people, you need that passion and enthusiasm because you won't absorb it the same way if you're not really passionate and enthusiastic about doing it. You know what I mean? If you really love it, you know, you're, everything you're gonna pick up the little nuances that somebody who doesn't love it won't do that you know yeah and now that, that was the thing about me too like my passion for boxing is so big that when i train I, I don't even feel like it's work i could train for hours and hours because i love it so much and i love the game you know even when i'm done training like i'll go watch i'll watch uh boxing i'll watch a lot of boxing fights and i'm still trying to pick up things you know what i mean and it's not work to me you know it's just passion it's something i love to do so i have no problem doing it 
And bro, you, you, when you talk like that, you 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 make me realize like the old days, you know, because that's that's how I was when I started boxing. I used to be done with the gym. I'd either stick around and try to wait for like if anybody other champions. I was I started in Gleason's gym, and I wait if any of the champions would come in and and train, and I would watch them, or I would go home and watch. Just at that time, we had VHS, just pop in a VHS tape that my trainer gave me of some old fights and stuff like that. You, I was just living it every day. But then like as um as you get older, as I got older, man, other distractions start to come in. And it's like you start to resent it, man. And I realized when I stopped having that kind of passion, I realized like that was it. You know what I mean? Like I stopped getting better and I stopped uh, improving. So the fact when you're telling me these things, you know, th that means nothing. That means you have an insulated passion. You know, it's not nothing's getting breaking through to it. And, and that's the way you keep improving. You a guy like you keep continues to get better because of that. You know, you continue to improve because of that. Because the, the ceiling is the ceiling can't be touched. I always, I always tell people uh, I, I said an interview early in my career. I never forgot the, my this quote that I told this reporter. I said, when you reach for the stars, you're never going to actually touch the stars. So you're never going to be satisfied. You're going to keep reaching yeah. and keep reaching and keep reaching. And then, and that kind of enthusiasm that keep reaching, keep reaching, keep reaching just continues to make you better and better. But once you get tired of reaching, you stop improving and sort of start to fade away, you know? So it makes me happy to see because, you know, you're a fan favorite, bro. Your fights are always exciting. So when, when we hear you talking about how much you love this, you know, we know you're going to stick around for a long time. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing about me too, bro. I, I've never been like big-headed or been like, that cocky be like, oh, I don't I don't need nobody to tell me what to do. I already know everything. You know, I feel like I listen to everybody. I even look at comments and sometimes if it's if it's some truth to it, then I'll put work in it. You know, I mean, there's oh, you're always going to learn, man. It's, there's always going to be somebody out there trying to outgrind you or work you. So, you know, you got to be ready for any, any situation. Sometimes, you know, if you're a big puncher, you got to learn how to box, too. And sometimes <laughs> you got to learn how to be in there. So you might as well learn how to do it in the gym, you know, to be prepared for when these situations come in the ring. Yeah, and, and and that's where the key sparring comes in. The championship level sparring comes in. The high level sparring comes in. That's where that's where we uh you you end up learning those things. You know, all sort of a baptism by fire kind of situation. You know, but I want to go into the super middleweight division. You know, we earlier in the interview we talked about how it's a stacked division. Uh, who peaks your eye? First of all, before we say go into who you want and 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 and, and the top guys. Who do you think doesn't belong there that sometimes gets a lot of shine? You know, is there anybody that you don't that you think? You know, because this division is getting a lot of talk right now. You know, more and more guys are, are in there. Is there anybody that you think, ah, they talk about this guy, but, you know, he's not really of that level like the rest of the guys? I mean, well, the person, not to say that he's not on that level, but the person who hasn't put any work in is probably getting the biggest shot out of all of them is Charlo. You know I mean? He's never came up to, he's never had a fight at 168. And, you know, I've seen that he's in talks to fight with Canelo. You know, I feel like, you know, he's basically skipping the line. I mean, I understand, you know, as, as a as a promoter standpoint that, you know, that's probably a big fight to make. But, like, you know what I mean? Give everybody the fair opportunity, the fair opportunity to get the fight with the champion. You know, I've been fighting title eliminators back to back. You know, this fight's going to be a WBC interim title. And then somebody who's coming from 160 to 168, you know, he gets a fight for all the belts. You know, the first fight at 168. You know, it's not really fair to me, you know, but I understand it. There's a lot of politics in this, so I really don't, try to beat myself up about it. You know, the good thing I think about myself is, you know, I, I barely turned 25 in December of uh, December 17th. So, you know, I got more than enough time right here. And now I'm getting more experience. You know, I know exactly what I'm doing in the ring. I'm getting stronger. So, I mean, it, it's fine. But as of all the guys right now, I feel like there's a lot of, I don't, I don't want to talk bad about anybody. I feel like there's a lot of great fights to be made at 168. You know, you got, you still got Caleb Plant. I would love to fight him. I got David Morrell, I'd love to fight him. Edgar Belenga, 
you know, I heard Boo Boo Andrade's coming up to 168 too. So, I mean, there's still a lot of great fights to be made, man. I feel like Canelo, everybody just wants to fight Canelo because he's a lottery ticket, obviously. But for me, if I can't get those fight with Canelo, all like the four fights I just mentioned are some great fights. And that would be, those would be great experiences for me to go up to when I get a fight with Canelo, you know, it would be, give me all the experience I need to beat Canelo. Because I feel in my heart I could beat Canelo. I just need the opportunity. And that, and that, and and the fact that you're just what you just want to fight, you know, it's not just about the, the the head honcho, the the biggest name in the weight class. You just want to fight again. That again, you, you, I subtly, subliminally catch like the passion in you. You just want to fight, bro. You know that that's what a, a true fighter wants to do. He just wants to get in there, fight top guys. If he can't get the top guy, he'll he'll fight any of the other top guys. And you're at that point in your career where you're building that legacy. You know, you, you mentioned before that your 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 fight is for the WBC interim title. I mean, I remember a time in boxing when I was younger where the interim champion got had, would be forced would force the ch- the full champion to fight him within about six months. And if the full champion didn't fight him within about six months, the full champion will be stripped, and the interim champion will become the full champion. That, that, I remember when I was younger, there was that the the sanctioning bodies kind of worked that way. I remember WBC particularly, and and and, and I think the WBA w, the WBA worked that way. They also worked in a way where if the champion from the, from the same sanctioning body in the lower weight class moved up, he would automatically become the number one contender and he would get the shot. So you're sort of in a position where if we were going to do this old school, Charlo would get the shot. If you would beat Lemieux, you'd become the interim champion and Canelo has to fight you next. That would, under the old rulership, the, I mean, the way the rules are supposed to go, because I still kind of like those rules. I don't know about anybody else. Now they just make them up as they go along. They create other belts just to get appease everybody. And now that way they don't have to fight each other. They start making making them up as they go along. And then everybody just takes that, that belt and then you're like, all right, I'll see you later. And they don't fight each other. It's corny to me. But yeah. under, under, the, under the old circumstances, if... If Charlo is going to get the shot because he's a WBC middleweight champion, he and, he and and by the old circumstances, okay, he automatically jumps the line to become number one in the same sanctioning by the same sanctioning by the WBC. You as the interim champion automatically has to have next. But I don't see that happening in boxing now. Like you see, interim champions carrying interim titles for like two years, bro, it, and. It, yeah. it absolutely makes no sense. The the sanctioning bodies are just picking up a a, 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 a what is it called? the fee the the sanctioning fee. Every time the end, that interim title is being defended, you don't defend an interim title. I don't understand. You know what I mean? The, the interim champion is supposed to fight the full champion. So, you know, we would expect some things to be enforced. But, of course, you know, when I, there's a cash cow like Canelo, a lot of times, you know, the rules do get bent, right? Because even uh, when Charlo was at middleweight uh, and, and, and Canelo was at middleweight, they just separated them. They made, they made Canelo the, uh, the franchise champion. And they made Charlo the world champion, and like I said before, they just each gave them a belt and went their separate ways, and that was it. You know, you don't you don't talk about it anymore. You know, so I hope that there's a solution here where where everybody can fight each other because that's really what the fans want. It's not about appeasing the promoters and, and making side business deals with the promoters so that everybody every promoter has a, a fighter who has a belt and then they can just cash in on him and with the network because then the networks don't understand anything. They just want everything to be for a belt, right? So because I think we want to see you in the winner of of of. Um, of Canelo and Charlo, uh, obviously without uh, overlooking David Lemieux. But do you think, do you feel like Canelo is purposely overlooking you? Or do you think Canelo is looking the other way on purpose? Do you, do you think there's a, a style clash with Canelo that, that maybe he sees and, and he's, he's avoiding you for that reason? Also, you mentioned Golovkin is, is, was a real inspiration for you. Is there something in you that wants to get that get back for the Golovkin fights uh, that, that Golovkin had with Canelo? Um, 
you know, to, it's a multi-layered question. With, so just to be honest with you, yeah, the to give back to give back what uh, to Canelo after the Golovkin, you know, that's definitely kind of that is, you know, that's one of the reasons why I want to fight him. You know, that's one of the reasons why I want to beat him. You know, I feel like Golovkin to me was really he was a he was a great mentor to me. He always showed love to me, and he always you know allowed me to be there in his training camps. He taught me a lot. So for me, that would be part of the reason why I'd want to fight Canelo. Um, but with but with you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know, man. I just feel like Canelo right now, you know, he's he's doing like what Mayweather used to do. You know, there's no disrespect to him or, or to anybody. I feel like Canelo, I would never talk bad about Canelo because he's done what he's done. You know, he's, he's a great champion. But I want my opportunity as a champion. Like I said, I know deep in my heart I could beat him and I could give a great fight to the fans. And this is what we're all here for. You know, we're all here to give the fans the fights they want to see. You know, so if... You know, if Canelo's trying to fight me next, you know, then 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 what is the point of being the champion at 168? Obviously, he could go up to 175 or 200, do whatever he, he wants. But you know, as an, as a champion, you have an obligation to fight the the number one contenders at 168. You know, um, but like I said, it is what it is. If he doesn't give me that fight, I would love to fight Charlo. I would love to fight Caleb Plant. All those guys. I've been professional for almost nine years now. Or this is my ninth year pro. You know, I turned pro when I was you know 16 years old. So. I kind of want to, I feel like I've earned the opportunity to get these big fights, you know, not only for me, but for my fans and for boxing, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan friendly fighter. You know, people love the way I fight and I feel like for the history of boxing, you know, in 2022, I feel like I could put some great fights up. And, and, and you mentioned something key there. You know, you, you said uh, Canelo can do what he wants, but he has a responsibility, right, to give, give certain guys a shot. It's not just that. As the champion, uh, what sometimes we overlook is the champion also has, a, has, a, has the – has, it's supposed to be willing to make the fights the fans want to see. And I feel like, I feel like the Mexican fan base in North America is the biggest fan base, you know? So, so when you have a, a Canelo fight, you know, he's a, he's a, a big ticket seller. You have a Mex you're a Mexican American, you know, you have a, that, that Mexican fan base as well. So I, I feel like that is such a big business move to make that fight with you bigger than any other fight Canelo can make it. Listen, for the intrigue, Canelo can fight anybody, like you said, for the intrigue, right? You, you're fighting up, going up in weight classes. It's an in, there's an intrigue there. Even uh, fighting Charlo, there's an intrigue there. But Canelo Benavidez, I mean, that's a, that's a Cinco de Mayo or Mexican Independence Weekend fight written all over it. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a mega promotion for me. Yeah, and then also, too, what I've been, I've been wanting to get off my chest, too, the narrative that's been blamed, played out right now that I, don't, I do not like at all is – Every time Canelo fights somebody, every time they try to say that, you know, Benavidez should fight Canelo, every, the fans or whatever, people be like, oh, what has he done to deserve that fight? You know, because obviously because it's a lottery ticket, but that's all people think about is money. I don't give a fuck about the money. What I think about, I want the glory. I want the belts. You know, it's not always about the money and people are like, you know, oh, what has he, deserve, what has he done? What, he deserve, what has he done to deserve the fight? I'm the number one contender. As a champion, you got to face the number one contender. So I like that, all that stuff. Better stop right now, man. And like, bro, and you're hundred percent right. I never get the point of counting other people's money. I don't get that. Yeah. I don't understand how people, why people bother counting other people's money. Like, oh, he doesn't deserve. What do you mean it's not deserving? The business aspect of boxing is up to the fighters, managers, and promoters. As the fans, you shouldn't be talking about the business end of boxing. You should be talking about what fights you want to see. The business yeah. end of boxing is not for you. It's for the fighters, promoters, and managers. So 
when when fans start to talk about what has he done to deserve, you, you, it's a cash. He just wants a, 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 a in England they call it a red panty night. You know the the big uh, the, the, the 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 big payday, <laughs> whatever it is, bro. You know yeah, exactly whatever it is. I've heard it all over the place. So whatever it is, it's like. Bro, you're not. Why are you counting other people's money? Why are you count? Why are they counting your money? Why are they counting my money? Why are they counting anybody else's money? You should want to see the fight because it interests you as a fan. Okay, whether the business aspect of it shouldn't matter. Or who's worth more money? This and that. You know, and you're talking like a fighter. You know, obviously there's a business end to being a fighter, but you're talking like a fighter. Listen, I don't care about the money. I want, I want, I want the fight. Of course, naturally, the the fight has a certain price to it. Obviously, that's a that's a natural yeah. that's a natural part of the business. That's how that's how this works. But nonetheless. You know, when you start talking about who, what has anybody done to deserve it, I always feel like that's a little bit of a cop-out. You know, I always found that it's a little bit of a cop-out, um, you know, because even Canelo, who is a, who's been a phenomenal champion, I mean, he's on the pound-for-pound pound list for a reason. You know, you still have, and, and a, a lot of champions have done this, mind you, but, you know, you've got your Avni Yildrims on his record. You've got your uh, Rocky Fieldings on his resume, you know, and so, you know, if you want to, we're going to, once you start having that conversation, you go down a rabbit hole because... Then you start to say, okay, what did those guys do to deserve it? You know what I'm saying? They got the shot. Why do they get the shot? You know what I'm saying? Is it because it was an easy cherry pick or was it because you found a, a deserving reason for them to get the shot? You know, I don't think a champion fights the super hardest fighters every single time. So, therefore, all of a sudden when there's somebody who's standing out and coming up to the forefront, like yourself, who, who, may, who basically may, has the right combination of things you're a top level fighter you're undefeated you're a knockout artist you make for exciting fights you're also mexican-american so it, it has that cultural feel to it um you know it starts to feel like if those fights don't get made it starts to feel like uh, you know there's other reasons for it you know and because fans should want to be seeing this fight you know there's there's no reason to to not want to see this fight but then if, okay, obviously you you're saying oh, i'd rather see another fight instead of this one and it's a good fight okay that's a matter of opinion but if you're saying oh, david benavides doesn't deserve it because what has he done you're then you're, you're going in another different direction you're going in a completely different direction but first of all you've been a world champion okay first and foremost so the fact that you've been a world champion and you're the number one contender that in itself that's it you're already on the, you're on that plateau you're on that playing field once you've been a world champion your resume stays there so automatically and, and you're undefeated. So now you're a, a world champion and you're faded and you're going somewhere else. No, no, you're a world champion. You're an ex-world champion. You're undefeated. You're, you mean, you got 22 knockouts, 25 wins, bro. So the, I, I'm, I'm, I don't see how this fight goes without getting made at a certain point, whether it's next or whether it's, it's, it's in the future. I don't see how this fight, again, with respect to David Lemieux, who is coming in, I'm sure we'll be hungry to fight you. But I also feel like the David Lemieux fight is, is, a, is a stylistic fight made where you can look good in this fight. You can, I think he's going to be in front of you. He's always he's a guy who's coming to, you know, he's a guy who's always looking to bang guys out of there and, and, and throw his biggest shots. So he's, gonna, he's not going to be hard to find for you. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I agree, man. I agree 100%. And um, with, with David Lemieux, I feel like it gives me a good look. Not necessarily the same style as Canelo, but, you know, he's well, he's 5'8". You know, he throws big bombs. You know, he comes straight forward. You know, Canelo, he has good head movement, but he doesn't move around like every other fighter. You know, he's, he stays in the pocket and he tries to cut the ring off. So I feel like this is going to be a great setup fight, you know, just to, just to feel a little bit different power and, you know, just to set myself up for that. But I feel like only time will tell what's going to happen. You know, I feel like what I'm trying to do – all the fans, you know, should be grateful. You know, every this is an appealing fight for everybody for the sport of boxing itself. Me versus Canelo, man, there's two be two heavy hitters, two Mexican fighters in there that are just gonna go, you know, toe to toe. 
And um, like I said, man, I feel like deep in my heart, I feel like I, I could I could beat this guy. And, and, and I feel like I feel like I could beat this guy, you know. So I mean, so I'm gonna be extremely ready, you know. Um, I have everything going for me right now. You know, I'm getting stronger. You know, I'm getting older. You know, my my ring IQ is going up. I'm getting a lot of experience. So I feel like it's the perfect time to make this happen. That's exactly what I was gonna get to next, bro. See, Canelo is 31 years old. You just turned 25. For me, if he keeps waiting to fight you, if he keeps waiting, it, age is gonna start to work against him. You know, because you're—I don't think you're going anywhere. You know what I mean? So that fight is gonna be surrounding his orbit for a while. So. I feel like the best case scenario for him is to fight you while he's still young and has this, you know, this, he's, he's still in, in these prime years because you're going to be in your prime years for a lot longer being you're younger. Uh, eventually, that, those prime years for him are going are, are gonna to start to slide away. And he's accomplished a lot, but you want to fight a dangerous guy like you, you know, while your prime years are still in their prime. You know, I, I, I do feel like, you know, he waited a little bit longer for the Golovkin fight for that reason, you know, they would, where they, you know, they kind of let, let him slip out of his prime a little bit. And, and who knows, you know, people still talk about the third Golovkin fight, but, the, you know, now Golovkin is way past his prime, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So he's going to run into the same problem with you because I don't think you're going anywhere. So I, I feel like that fight, if he wants to give himself the best chance of, of beating you, if I'm him, I'm, I'm also looking at it like, okay, this guy's not going to be going anywhere. I'm only going to get older. He's going to get better because he's the age is going to be in his favor. You know, you're going to be 25. Then you're 25. You're going to be 26, 27, 28. Those are those are prime monster years where your your body is in its physical peak. You know, and so, you know, in the meantime, he's going to get older. So I, from that standpoint, I think that's even more of a reason why Canelo Benavides should happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, and that, that's why I'm so confident it's going to happen, too. Not only from what you just mentioned, but, like, if you look at the business deals, I think it's more lucrative. You know, being with PBC, you know, he's fighting versus – if he fights Charlo, it's going to be a pay-per-view. If he takes a two-fight deal with Eddie Hearn, you know, not only is it a two-fight deal, but there's no pay-per-view included. You know, I feel like more fighters, you know, when they come to PBC and they make more money because it's pay-per-view, it's, you know, they get, a, they get a cut of that pay-per-view, so – I feel like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's only a matter of time. So that's why, you know, I come to camp early. You know, I've had like four months to train. So I'm going to be working on stuff. I'm going to do in this fight and stuff I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing after this fight. And then after this fight is done, you know, I'm probably just going to take a week off and go back into camp, man. Because I feel like sometimes people, they like to catch you off guard, you know, and they, they like to, you know, see you take a little break. And then they catch you off guard. They hit you with, oh, yeah, this fight is coming up. So I feel like I'm a... You know, I'm very motivated right now, bro. I know there's a lot of big fights on the horizon right now. And then the fight that excites me, too, is, is David Lemieux. You know, I've been watching David Lemieux since I was a little kid. So just from the style that he has, you know, and the excitement that he's gave me just watching his fights, now I get to go in there and, you know, possibly knock him out because I'm on a five-fight knockout streak, you know, and I don't plan on stopping it anytime soon. And this is going to be a great fight. And, you know, just having the fans back in attendance in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, the last time they showed me so much support, so now I know this time is going to be, you know, it's going to be off the chain now. So I'm, I'm excited to go back in there and start and uh, give them a great performance. Yeah, man. And you know what? I, I think the more the more you're knocking guys out, the more demand you create to see you. You become more must-see TV. Obviously, we know boxing, in boxing, the knockout is, you know, the, the home run. You know, it's, it's, it's what everybody wants to see. It's soccer, it's the goal. And, 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 and baseball is the home run. And football is a touchdown. You know, and boxing is the knockout, you know. So you keep delivering these knockouts and these performances. I just feel like the demand is going to be too much for, uh, for everybody to resist. And you're going to keep creating more and more demand 
on your end. Uh, you know, we look forward to seeing more of you, David, man. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch the Lemieux fight. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're looking forward to watching your career blossom. Uh, and, and your age, I mean, it's working in your favor, bro. I think you're going to get better and better. When I hear you talk, I can, hear, I can feel the passion. Even just now, again, I, I look for subliminal things. And you just gave me another one when you said, oh, you, want, you don't want to get caught off guard. You want to get back in training after the fight. You're passionate about what you do. Don't ever change because that is the only when you change do you stop getting better. You keep this mentality, you will always keep improving. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And David, we'll catch you. We'll catch you later, man. And uh, what? What? Uh, hold on, one second. Oh yeah, where I forgot to ask you. How is that fight stars house over at the in, in San Diego? It's amazing, man. It's amazing. It's a. It's kind of hard not to feel comfortable here. So it's like a ten thousand square foot home <laughs> on three point five acres. So like, I just want to tell everybody from Fight Star, man. I I really appreciate you guys, man, and thank you so much. I know a lot of the times, you know. Especially, you know, me, I just had my son, so I had to come be in training camp, you know, just, and that's how much I have to be focused. But when it's a hard training camp like this, you know, staying in a house like this makes it a hundred times easier. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it, it's, uh, I, ju I, I just want to thank you guys to uh, the, the people from Five Stars. Thank you so much. Awesome, David, man. We'll, we'll see. We'll catch you soon. We look forward to watching you and Lemieux. We'll be on the lookout for the fight announcement, and we will be on the lookout to see how your chase for Canelo goes as well, and you're building up your own legacy. So we'll be looking forward to watching you keep building that legacy. Take care, champ. Thank you, guys.